This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, hello. Good evening and welcome to another Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, the self-proclaimed content machine, Liam Crowley, and I'm joined by another incredible guest. You know him as comicbook.com's pro wrestling connoisseur, one of the strongest men in wrestling media. It's Mr. Connor Casey. Connor, thank you so much for stopping by. One of the strongest. Listen here, young whippersnapper. I will reach through that screen and show you my benchmarks if I have to. Give me Chris Van Vliet. Give me Sean Rassap. Don't give me Dave because he actually does bodybuilding. But give me all of them, and I will out-squat them with the greatest of ease. I, I <laughs> love Liam. Yeah, great to see you, Connor, as well. Connor is someone we've never met face-to-face. This is our first time on this stream here. But, hey, we've been in each other's mentions for what feels like months. We both share a lot of similar interests, obviously pro wrestling, but I thought Connor was picture-perfect for this Thursday night edition of the podcast because we also talk some entertainment news. As anyone who tunes in to the Thursday night editions of the Wrestling Inc. podcast knows, we split things down the middle. We go inside the ropes and we talk all things WWE, AEW, sometimes Ring of Honor, sometimes New Japan. But then in the back half of this show, we're going to go all things Hollywood. And this week we are spotlighting one of the biggest shows going, even though it's been on hiatus for three years, what I would argue is Netflix's poster show, Stranger Things Season 4 dropped an incredible trailer, and we're going to break it all down later on. But first, we're going to talk some wrestling. And before we get into the headlines, Connor, I want to ask some personal questions when it comes to you and the grapples. How did you first get involved with pro wrestling? Obviously, it's your full-time job now, but everyone starts as a fan. What was that first experience like? Uh, First experience as a fan or first experience writing? Oh, give me both. I got to hear both. So for experience as a fan, um, I didn't really grow up with wrestling. Um, it, it wasn't a thing my family was into. I actually had a next door neighbor who was a huge, was a big wrestling fan during the Attitude Era. Um, but he he invited me over for a sleepover one night and just happened to have ordered uh, the 2003 Royal Rumble. And we just watched it that night. And I was just blown away by all of it. Um that if, for those who don't remember, that's the uh, that's the Steiner Triple H match. That's Brock Lesnar winning the Rumble for the first time. Um, that's Undertaker coming back from an injury. He's still in full, you know, big evil mode. Uh, it's all leading up to WrestleMania 19, and I was just so blown away by the pageantry and kind of the larger than life characters. I didn't know that I had missed the golden era of the Attitude Era. Like I didn't know who Steve Austin or The Rock really were. And I didn't really start watching in earnest until about a year later because I didn't know what time it was on. I didn't know what what channel or what. And I just randomly scrolling one night. This was back when it was still on Thursdays with SmackDown uh, scrolling through. And it was right after Eddie Guerrero had finally won the WWE title. And that was that was what hooked me was honestly, it it wasn't raw because I raw was always on too late. I'm here central time. So that thing is getting, you know. Back then, it was just on later. Mm-hmm. So it was like, eh, you can either... You had to deal with that because you always had school in the morning. But um, 
yeah, so SmackDown is where I, I got hooked. I got hooked on Eddie Guerrero being champion, Kurt being a prick, JBL just being the absolute worst, John Cena being this Eminem, you know, caricature. <laughs> and that that was what hooked me. And then as I got older, you know, I, I lived through, you know, Cena's kind of reign of terror, as it were. And it was about 2007, 2008 when I found out what online wrestling news was like. I, I stumbled onto websites like PW Insider, uh, Pro Wrestling Torches Daily Podcast, Wrestling Inc. And was like, oh, there's like actual people reporting about this. They're talking about this. And at the time I'm thinking, hey, I want to be a journalist. But I didn't know what I wanted to write about. Um, and then it wasn't, and, and I would always keep up with like the backstage stuff because that stuff was interesting. Um, and the, the rare interviews that were happening were interesting, but it wasn't until I was in college, this is 2011, 2012, that the big outlets like ESPN and CBS were actually hiring people to write about this stuff full time, like they were covering a TV show or a sport. And I thought, wow, so there is actual like career opportunities for this. Um, I went to school at Mizzou, did the whole journalism thing. Um, they they never really presented that as like a viable career option. But I'm like, you know what? I'll keep this in my back pocket. So when I wound up at places like Sporting News and they're all saying, well, we're trying to grow this wrestling side. Do you know anything about that? I'm like, well, as a matter of fact, I've been watching this for a while now. So then that led to so I worked at Sporting News as an intern and then went back a bit later to help with that. I was at a small newspaper in Ohio. They had a wrestling promotion there, uh, helped cover that. And then it was actually, I learned under Ryan Satin when he was uh, running pro wrestling sheets. Um, actually just ran into him in Dallas a couple weeks ago, right before the guy decides to get engaged. Didn't tell me. <laughs> um, uh, and then when I was, so I was trying to get out of the print world just because I kind of saw where the, the writing on the wall with that one. And of all things, I found the job posting I have now on Twitter because they were looking for an entertainment writer who specialized in wrestling. And I'm like, well, I just so happened to know a thing or two. Um, so that was uh, that that was kind of how I fell. And then like the job I have here changed about three times until it was what it is now. So I kind of fell ass backwards into this whole thing. <laughs> but it's, well, it's it's been a blast. Yeah, the rest is history, as they yeah. say. Well, it's really cool to hear just your journey over the past decade of just growing within the pro wrestling sphere. And you said something, too. You said you ran into Ryan Satin at WrestleMania weekend. You were obviously there on behalf of Comic Book. We had Graham Matthews, who represented Bleacher Report. Uh, he was on the podcast last week. He told me all about his fun weekend. I got to know, what was Connor Casey's WrestleMania experience like? Oof, that was a long weekend, buddy. It was fun. Um so I I love that WWE kind of took up what AEW was doing with the press conferences and realized, hey, if we do actual dedicated media days, we're going to get a lot more people writing about this stuff leading up to and after the show. Um, so I, I've been very thankful that they've uh, they've allowed me to come to these past couple events. I was at SummerSlam in Vegas last uh, August, did something similar there. So with Mania... Um, it was a lot of running around. I stopped by WrestleCon to talk to Johnny Gargano. I actually just dropped that interview today. Um, and then I was at the media day, talked to a bunch of people. I posed someone, it was actually Graham, took a photo of me talking to AJ Styles. And I'm like, this is the closest I get to an action shot. And I love this guy. So this is, a, this is perfect. Um, after that, I went to, I went, 
I was hopping in and out of like, cause WrestleCon was close. Then Conrad Thompson had a thing where Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett and Bischoff spoke, got to talk to them. Um, that not, that Friday night while everybody's over watching SmackDown and the hall of fame, I'm up in Garland watching the ring of honor show, watching maybe the best tag team match I've ever seen live. Uh, and then the return of Samoa Joe with Tony Khan on the entrance stage, losing his mind, and then getting to go uh, backstage and interview them at their their press conference thing. Tony's just beaming the whole time. I had talked to FTR the week before, and just to see the joy on their face after how that match with the Briscoes turned out, that was a definite highlight. And then Joe just, he he starts off, being you know his usual laid back self and then someone asks him about his goals and he, the switch just flips so he's like let me be very clear i'm here to be the unified champion of ring mm-hmm. of honor aw i'm like oh this is a pissed off samoan and i love it um and then mania itself was wild i had never been to jerry world um being able to see the stadium from a good five miles away on the highway is a surreal feeling um, I am a so I'm a Chiefs fan because I can't City born and raised. But so I'm used to there being nothing really around your stadium. This thing has a six flags right next to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking this is just this is as goofy as Texas can get, just how big everything is. The stadium is massive. Um, you know, they they give us full catering both nights. Um I will say this, the, definitely the low light of the weekend is trying to get out of there ah. both nights because it's past midnight. And I'm thinking, you know what? If I wait, the traffic won't be bad. The Ubers won't be bad. Well over 100 bucks each night to try and get back to my hotel. That was a, that that was the one downside. Um, I see there's a fan down in the comments who's a Chiefs fan. Hell yeah, Anthony. Oh, yeah, Anthony Why Go Chiefs. As for the show itself, you know, it was a first for a few things. I was I was anticipating the Cody surprise. I loved how it turned out. I was blown away by the fact that the presentation was virtually unchanged. I had talked to Cody for the Go Big Show about two weeks before he left. And I distinctly remember him ending the interview after the cameras had stopped rolling with, uh, hey, I hope we get to talk longer next time. And as... When that news broke in February, I was like, this SOB knew exactly <laughs> what he was going to do and didn't tell me. Um, I, I love seeing him return, getting to talk to him the next day at the, uh, the little press conference he did. Uh, he just felt so he felt so refreshed and kind of there was a sense of relief and excitement. And, I, and, you know, when you talk to wrestlers that are passionate about what they do and passionate about the art form of it, that really shines through and it makes for some of the best interviews. So that was fun. Uh, Triple H coming out, Taker coming out. I got to see Steve Austin's last match ever. Could not have, couldn't have told me that was ever going to happen. And I remember when he gets suplexed on the, on the uh, metal floor, I'm just thinking he saw what Sting was doing on dynamite Mm -hmm. and just said, I can do this. (laughs) You crazy Texas bastard. Um, Night one definitely outshine night two. Bianca, I thought, was the, the star of the weekend in, in a lot of different ways for kind of her delivery. And then I felt like the main event of the whole thing kind of sucked the oxygen out of the room. It was very much matter of fact, uh, you know, spear and it's done. And everyone's kind of looking around like, is that it? Is that all there is? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw, 
but uh, a certain Dwayne The Rock Johnson's mom and uh, wife were in the building and were spotted on camera. And I'm, I'm asking around, I'm like, hey, uh, they're here. Should I be ready for something? And they're like, you might need me. And then nothing. And I'm like, well, then what was the point of all that? So and then you then there's talk of like maybe Roman hurt a shoulder. Maybe he didn't. I just that that was the only real uh, downside of the weekend uh, for what was otherwise such an awesome, unforgettable experience. Like that's a bucket list thing was for me to go to Mania and, you know, see it live. Yeah, that's something really cool to hear, hearing all the different experiences and kind of a perfect segue into our first news story of the evening, because you talk about such a great weekend with that main event kind of letting the oxygen out. That's all yeah, that's a, this about. is a segue and a half right here. Lane. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I pinpointed it in the brain and I knew we were going to roll with it. AEW Dynamite this past week, just yesterday, ended with Samoa Joe capturing the Ring of Honor Television Championship off Minoru Suzuki, and then the lights went out. And the lights came back on and there was no pop that we're used to when an Alistair Black shows up, when a Buddy Murphy shows up. It was Satnam Singh, former basketball player, Indian standout, absolute giant, debuted in the closing moments of AEW Dynamite, taking out Samoa Joe and aligning himself with Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt. According to the Wrestling Observer, this move was designed to build the AEW brand in India itself. And it has a lot to do with that massive Warner Media and Discovery merger. We're seeing those ripple effects happening right now on the DC universe. It's also happening with AEW as well. This story is something that's going to develop and we're going to feel the effects for years and years to come. As of right now in India, AEW programming airs on Eurosport India. It's a Discovery owned channel. And it was a deal that President Tony Khan reportedly made based on the AEW merger not the AEW merger excuse me the warner media and discovery merger going on mm-hmm. so my question for you connor on with this top news to kick kick things off how would you have booked this differently i saw your tweet you mentioned that the lights out spot kind of usually indicates something big and sure yeah. it was something big in a literal sense but it wasn't the indie darling that we're used to showing up when the lights come back on how would you have presented satnam singh's debut differently to maybe win over the fans a little bit more so there's two things you needed to do. One, change the order of the night. Switch this mm-hmm. match with the tag title match at the end of the night. Because the moment right of, off my brain. <laughs> of FTR holding up the two belts, looking at Jurassic Express while there's Red Dragon on the entrance ramp trying to get their attention is a hell of a final uh, moment to go off on a show on. Plus, those are your titles. This is not the Ring of Honor. Any, There's no Ring of Honor affiliation to this. So, mm-hmm. you know, I... As much as I love the matchup of Joe versus Suzuki, that could have opened the show or opened the second hour as opposed to that being the thing that closes the night. Number two, don't kill the lights. Just have him hit the ring. He's a giant. That visual alone is incredible. And then have him lay out Joe as, as, the, as that trio. Um, this, this didn't need to be the last moment of the night. And the, there's the old saying of, it doesn't matter what happens on the show, people just remember the finish. They remember the ending. So if you're going to have it go out on that kind of note, that's why people are soured on what was otherwise a really good dynamite. If you just shuffle things around a little bit and then stop doing the light gimmick, because I feel like that needs to be saved for the big surprises. Sometimes people just do that for a surprise running when they're trying to attack somebody. You know, and when you think about all of the big free agents that are out there right now, your Cesaro's, your Wyndham's, 
you know, so many Ring of Honor talent. I hell, I thought Gresham might have shown up, given that we knew he was going to be a battle of the belts this weekend. You know, and then to have it be him, it's like you were immediately setting yourself up for for scrutiny there. I get the whole business side of, hey, we have this literal giant. He's Indian. He's an he's the first straight up Indian NBA player to get drafted. You know, that's all well and good. And we can talk about his ability in the ring, who he's getting trained by, this, that, and the other thing. All you had to do was alter the presentation slightly, and this gets received a lot better. I completely agree. You literally stole the words out of my mouth when it came to how we would reorder the show, because I don't think this should even have main evented. Sure, it's Samoa Joe versus Minoru Suzuki. On paper, this is an absolute dream match, barn burner. And I thought it was a pretty good match. It only went about 10 minutes, but by comparison, I enjoyed the tag match way more. And that's not to say that Joe and Suzuki didn't put on a great show. I think they did, but it felt more like a nice bridge in the middle rather than your main event. And especially when you have the AEW World Tag Team titles on the line on the same show, tag titles that they're trying to elevate to a main event scene. They've yet to main event a pay-per-view, mm-hmm. but way back at those early rallies at the pools and everything. And in Jacksonville, the young bucks often said, we want tag team wrestling to be on par with the main event. And when you have it happen in the middle of the show and a ring of honor, mid card title, not even the ring of honor world title, a ring of honor, mid card title being elevated above. It is kind of weird. And like you said, I think they just set themselves up for failure with the lights out spot. That used to be reserved for the spooky dudes back in the day. The Undertakers, the Canes, the the Aleister Black uh, when he debuted at AEW as Malachi and all that. Which I think was the best way they ever did it. Because if you recall earlier that show, the lights went out and nothing happened. And you thought, oh, it's a... There's technical issues. It's a small stadium, small arena. Think nothing of it. Then when it happened again, you went, oh, my God. Because we knew we didn't know he had the 30-day contract yep. as opposed to the 90. But you mentioned, uh, you know, the tag titles and elevating. You know, I love Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. But if you look at the, if you look at, like, the hierarchy right now, they're maybe the fourth most important team in the company. You know, FTR yeah. is the hottest they've ever been. They just had a match with the Bucks. Everyone's kind of sitting around waiting for Red Dragon to just win the titles. You know, everyone loves Proud and Powerful, and they're doing their thing with Eddie right now. And then it's Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Yet they're the ones with the gold right now. So we're all kind of looking at them like, okay, when are you dropping this to one of the bigger teams? Yeah, and also, too, when we talk about title defenses having meaning behind them, to me, Darby Allen became a star, not overnight. It took weeks and weeks, but having him defend the TNT title in the main event of Dynamite every single week, he felt like a big deal. And if I agree, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, they do feel behind our Red Dragons, our Young Bucks, even our Proud and Powerfuls, giving them big time title defenses in the main event of Dynamite. And not even making a grand deal out of it. They just, oh, no, it makes sense. They main event the show because they're one of the top tag teams. Actually, they are the top tag team because they have the gold. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way to do it for sure. But there's another side of this story that I do kind of want to focus on as well. The Warner Media merger affecting AEW programming. A big thing that people are noticing with this uh, change because it feels very uncharacteristic of AEW. This feels like a very WWE move. Satnam mm. Singh reminds me of an almost like character where he's an attraction, damn it. You know, he's sure. someone who is big and people are going to show up to live events to see him compete. And it doesn't Khan- help that he's doing great Collie's move yes. that everybody <laughs> kind of hated already. Yeah. Like you're, you're not, you're already not helping your case. 
Exactly. And so him debuting and this having a this being a direct byproduct of the Warner Media merger and trying to appeal a little bit to India. Uh, I, I think it's it makes sense in the long term. Obviously, we saw it happen in 2017 when Vince put the strap on Jinder Mahal because he wanted to expand into that country that has a billion people. But beyond this market, AEW trying to break into India, could you see any other stuff going on with AEW's product altering to maybe fit a Warner Media discovery agenda? I don't see it affecting TV the way that people might be fearing i don't think we get the jinder mahal situation which by the way jinder mahal is as canadian as bret hart from the same town no one brings that up that that always drives me nuts it's like you're from calgary um i i what i'm more focused on with the warner media discovery deal is where does that put them in terms of their next television contract because they talked a bit about you know Discovery's been like, we're not going to be shooting out a lot of money. We're trying to restructure some things, mistakes that were being made when Warner was under AT&T. And then also the matter of your streaming deal. Everybody's looking at them right now and going, okay, you're in bed with Warner. When's the HBO Max deal coming out? When's, when is that going to be your version of WWE with Peacock? And I have to imagine that this merger with Discovery has at least slowed down the process. I my guess is that whatever pitches Tony has been making, whatever conversations they've been having with Warner, those have been slowed down by this. And everyone's looking around going, we don't know exactly what this merger is going to going to look like in six months. So we kind of have to just sit and wait, even if you are giving us these consistently great ratings on Wednesdays. You know, they're I don't think they're in any sort of danger of getting kicked off of TBS or TNT. You know, live live programming has such a premium on it that they're not and they're not going to get rid of something that is consistently popping up in the top five on a Wednesday night. You, you can talk about whatever they're going to do with Rampage. And I see that moving at some point. No one wants that time slot they're on. But I don't think it's going to go so far as certain people getting pushed over others because we need to make Discovery happy. That That's not going to happen. Yeah. I think I think this was very much a we needed to introduce Satnam Singh somehow. This gets us a foot and hold into a different market. But it's not like people in India aren't going to look at other AEW stars, even if they don't look like them and not cheer them. John Cena was cheered over in India. One of my favorite wrestlers is Keith Lee. He does not look like me, but I still love him. So I don't think. I don't think you need, suddenly that there's going to be 10 wrestlers from the Middle East showing up to try and help get their footholds into those markets. That's just not going to happen. Um, it, it, I, so I think the panic that people are setting off, because they're like, oh, is this like when Time Warner, you know, when AO, with the AOL deal back in 2001, is that what this is going to turn into? No, no, that was, those were different circumstances. So basically what I'm saying is everybody calm down a little bit. <laughs> it does seem like it's more of a, not a one-time occurrence, because obviously Satnam Singh is going to be in storylines moving forward, but it, it does seem like, a one-off in the sense that it's not really going to affect the way AEW is run as a whole. Anthony Y bringing up a very good comment here. Well, Tony Khan did say he has a huge announcement next week, maybe a streaming deal. Connor aligning with what you're saying about, you know, discussion. Could be, could be somehow the video game is coming out in September. We, we've seen no trailer, so mm-hmm. could be that. 
could be that. And we're going to be talking about that AEW console game in just a little bit. But first, we're going to hop back over to the other company, WWE. They have a pay-per-view coming up in the United Kingdom this September. And it looks like they're going to sell out probably one of their... How many stadium shows are they running this year? Six, seven? Give or, we got, give or take, yeah. We got Vegas. We got Nashville. We got the UK. We'll be back in Saudi Arabia eventually. So many stadium shows going on across the year for WWE. And if pre-sale registrations are to be believed, it looks like this is going to be a big crowd. More than 59,000 fans have already pre-registered for tickets for the premium live event in Cardiff, Wales. And WWE has officially set a new company record for any event with that number, including WrestleMania. That's according to Alex McCarthy of TalkSport. The typical capacity at Principality Stadium over in Wales is around 75,000. Now, Connor, I want to ask you, when it comes to WWE running stadium shows, I remember being overjoyed at that first Saudi Arabia deal because I was like, oh man, the you greatest poor, Royal Rumble. You poor fool. You poor, I know, right? poor fool. When I heard the greatest Royal Rumble and I was, oh geez, uh, freshman in high school and in college, I, I was just like, make me feel older, Liam. Geez. <laughs> Two Royal Rumbles a year. Come on. There's going to be 50 superstars. That's going to be so stupendous. And the fact that it was going to be in a giant stadium. And now, personally, I realize the appeal of WrestleMania is that it's the one stadium show a year or that it used to be. And it's kind of gotten watered down over the years. We've obviously run basically two Saudi events every single year, excluding the pandemic year. We had that giant live event super showdown in Australia, which had some big moments, but largely felt outside of WWE canon. No one really remembers that triple H undertaker match and they probably want you to forget it as well. But We're seeing SummerSlam being run in stadiums now. Money in the Bank is going to be at a stadium. And now we're going to the UK for an event that doesn't have a name just yet, making me feel like it's going to be more aligned with the Australia and Saudi events. But at the same time, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better wrestling crowd than a UK crowd. So my long-winded question to you, Connor, do you see this being more like a WrestleMania or more like a crown jewel? I see this more as a mania simply because this is their first time running it, running a UK pay-per-view legitimately. Like we're not talking insurrection, you know, and they, they, I think they recognize that, look, if we're going to fill a stadium, we got to have matches that people actually want to see. This can't be crown jewel where sometimes it's treated as non-canon. Sometimes I wish it was non-canon. Um, I, I think they'll find ways to get excitement going. And it's not like it's two weeks after SummerSlam. It's a whole month. So they have a chance to actually build up some mashups as opposed to just running back the card we just saw when it's here in Nashville. I'm pointing because the stadium's right over there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no, I, I think this will this they'll lean more on this being a, a major event as opposed to this being the, Hey, we got to fill up a stadium. We threw out a couple of classic names, you know, to get people's attention and off you go. I think they'll, they'll try and find some stuff that appeals to the UK. I have talked with Drew McIntyre about this several times because he has been the strongest proponent for getting them over in the UK again. And that guy wants Tyson Fury. Mm-hmm. Now that match does feel a bit crown jewel ish but at least it's in his native country as opposed to, you know, thousands of miles away. And we're just mm-hmm. saying, Hey, we got it. We got the heavyweight boxing champion in here. 
Um, even though neither man is Welsh, I think they'll, <laughs> they'll all still spot for him. Um, I don't think this is a show, not to get ahead of you, but I don't think this is a show that like they're going to load up with NXT UK talent. I think they're just simply going to try and put on the best card they possibly can with maybe one or with, you know, and they have at least one star who is from the UK that they can legitimately put at the top of the card and say, no, this makes sense. You know, it's not like the, it's not like the Buddy Murphy in Australia situation. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, Drew is a two time former world champion and by all accounts is next up for Roman. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Or Mansoor in Saudi Arabia. He always, no, gets get his, his marquee. <laughs> he always gets his marquee match up there. And yeah, I agree. I think Drew McIntyre is the man to headline this card. And I think you put him against Roman. And I don't really see him coming out on top. He doesn't feel like the guy that should topple Roman, at least at this point. And, you know, things could change it's, in the next couple months. It's just so hard to say because it's still not clear what the world title is now. It, does he have... Mm-hmm. He, he's unified, but can someone turn around and say, no, I just want the WWE title. Like, could Cody do that? Because that's the only thing he's really talking about. Mm-hmm. He, he has no elite. He has he is his character. He really shouldn't care about the Universal Championship. It's relatively new. And that's not the title that was taken away from his father. It's the one on Roman's other shoulder he should care about. Mm-hmm. And then if you're going to get rid of, if you're going to get one of those titles off him, how do you do it? And then does the brand split even exist anymore? It, it as much as I want it to stick around, as much, I know guys like Paul Heyman want it to also. You know, Usos and RK Bro, by all accounts, are going to try and unify those titles. When do they look at the mid card titles and say, yeah, we need to do the same with them? So yeah. it's, it's really hard to say, like, who's, who is actually going to dethrone Roman when I don't know what the match is at Backlash. That's a very good point. Yeah, and, and Roman also, we don't really know the status of, I, I assume he will be ready come WrestleMania backlash, but we China's do know. struggling to hold that one title up with that shoulder. And they did just take Brock off the card when he was originally announced, and yeah. people wonder, was that going to be a Mania rematch? Are they axing Brock off the show because he was going to go against Roman, and there's no point in, you know, if Roman's not going to work the show, we don't need to pay Brock for it, so... Who knows? And Roman's at a situation now with how long his title reign has been. They're not going to make him vacate unless he's actually legitimately going to be on the shelf for six to eight months. If he needs to take a month or even two off, he'll just say, I'm the tribal chief. I've beat everyone. Even though I am, and I know I am probably alone on this opinion. It's obvious we're building to Roman rock somehow. Mm -hmm. Young Rock dropped a teaser. <laughs> I was watching the screener for that, but fell out of my chair. Um, <laughs> that doesn't need the title. That that doesn't need a world championship. Rock Hogan at 18 didn't need the title. Cena Rock 1 didn't need the title. I know there's this idea that, and WWE even breaks this rule more often than not, that th- their idea is, oh, well, if it's the biggest match, the championship needs to be involved. No, it doesn't. You have the highest, you have one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood on your card. No one's going to care if they're, if either of them is holding a piece of gold around their waist, they're, they're going to care that it's the rock. That's enough. So I'm all, I'm kind of one of the proponents of at some point, Roman does need to drop the titles so that can stop being a distraction for mm. his match with the rock. Cause that's what he all, that's what his character ultimately cares about. It's not, Oh, give me all the gold. It's no acknowledge me as the head of this family, even Mm -hmm. though there is someone else in this family who is infinitely more famous than I am. (laughs) 
This is all true. And, you know, if Drew McIntyre is the guy to do it, I don't think that's even a bad idea because Drew McIntyre is a guy that deserves a big win in front of a stadium crowd. It got taken away from him at Mania 36. We had the empty arena and then Mania 37. He lost to Bobby Lashley. So I do think he's going to get that big stadium moment this year, whether that comes against the Tyson Fury or Roman Reigns. Who knows? But I do want to ask about that maybe NXT UK involvement. NXT UK, kind of like the ugly stepchild of WWE development. Does it even exist at this point? Like they're plucking <laughs> the, the good talent and leaving the rest. They're taking yeah. everyone away. And also it's weird that it still has its identity because it feels like a spinoff of NXT black and gold. Yeah. And with NXT 2.0 existing, I'm like, why does NXT UK not have a Nickelodeon color scheme as well? What's going on there? But at the same time, you mentioned it earlier, Buddy Murphy got that giant championship match in Australia and got one of the biggest pops of the night. This is a guy that obviously back then in 2018, especially he was not at the level to be on raw and have his music hit. And, you know, 16,000 people go crazy. But when he's in his home country, people know who Buddy Murphy is. I remember when Noam Dar debuted on a UK raw or something. It's a guy that would get no reaction in the United States. Everyone in the UK knows Noam Dar from progress right. and ICW and all that. You take a guy like, I know Ilya Dragunov is like a Russian character and all that, but still he is very centric to the UK indie scene. Would you have an Ilya Dragunov defend his UK title on this card? Well, I'd have Dragunov on any card because he's spectacular. So that, mm-hmm. that is an easy sell for me. As for other stuff, you know, outside of Mustache Mountain over on NXT UK, name me two more names that you could legitimately put on that show besides Dragonov. Like, because they've kind of all shown up here. Pretty Deadly just came over. Mm-hmm. You know, Walter's here. I'm not calling him Gunther. I'm sorry. He's Walter. <laughs> the day that man dies. Um, like, you could, you could, put, you could have run Walter Dragonov again, and I would have no complaints. You could have Mustache Mountain challenge the Usos. I'd be good with that because that would make sense. Uh, not don't just rely on hey, it's an NXT UK storyline, and we're gonna throw it, you know, second match of the night. That's a waste. No mm-hmm. one's gonna care. And it I, would make and it would make me have to watch NXT UK every week. But <laughs> frankly, Liam, I'm not okay with because I don't want to. He doesn't have enough time in the day for NXT UK, which is under it airs at like 3 p.m. Eastern because of the, the time difference and everything. I so, have to turn off my Twitter notifications on Thursdays because it's just WWE sharing NXT UK highlights. And I'm like, I don't care. No one <laughs> like stop this. And but then it's like the Thursdays are always slow for that reason. Because it's like it's too busy. We're too busy showing you this thing that we taped weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hear that completely. And I think you've kind of sold me too. Mustache Mountain versus Usos, I think would be a barn burner. And I think that's the perfect match to integrate into a UK pay-per-view. Of course, this does not have to be a show where, oh, we're in the UK. Everyone who's from the UK is on this card and it's going to be like UK versus America. They don't need to do that. But I do think that there is room for Mustache Mountain to come up really quickly, have a storyline on SmackDown and say, we want those gold, you know, whether or not that be the SmackDown tag titles or the unified tag titles by the time we get to September. I think that there's a built-in story there. And what's always weird about NXT UK is that it's not just comprised of people from the UK. They just said, okay, everyone in Europe, get over mm-hmm. here. And you have uh, an Austrian holding their title for longer than Roman has held his. And you just said, yeah, it's the, it's the UK championship. It's like d- dudes from Austria and wrestled primarily in Germany. 
Tell me how this works. <laughs> Things are weird with the NXT UK brand and all that. And whether or not any of these matches come to fruition, who knows? Storylines will obviously permit them as the months go on. But fantasy becomes reality, Connor, in the video game world. That's for sure. Boom. Got another segue for you. AEW's console video game. We have kind of a development going on. Fightful, you know, who are very rarely wrong, say that internal talk is that AEW's console game is going to arrive in September, along with that UK pay-per-view. Looks like September is going to be a good month for us pro wrestling fans. It should be worth noting that this is not set in stone whatsoever, but September is a date that's being discussed internally among developers at AEW. This game is being developed by Ukes. If you're a wrestling video game fan, you know that name. They worked on so many of the 2Ks, the WWF SmackDown games, and one of my personal favorites, WWE 12. I know it's so random, but some of the storylines that they did with the... That's the one with Orton on the cover? Yes, sir. That was my last one before I fell off in college. So I'm, I'm there with you on that one. That was a good one. Because the the campaigns were just so much fun. The, there yeah. was the WCW invasion where the rookie named Jacob Cass all yeah. of a sudden wins. It, it was Austin Aries doing all the moves in the voice. Yeah. It oh, yeah, it was. Oh, my God. That just unlocked a part of my brain. Yeah. And then, like, you think you it's over when Ray beats you because Kevin Nash cheated. And then the mm-hmm. credits start rolling. And then Kevin Nash, like, breaks through the credits and goes, hey. You're like, what <laughs> just happened? It was it was pretty special. And hey, we're gonna get some story modes here in this AEW video game. WWE drags their feet on that nowadays. That that always frustrates me. I missed a good story, you know. I missed the stories where it's they're actually taking storylines with the wrestlers and not, hey, you're a new up and comer from the performance center. Mm-hmm. How are you going to interact with this person? It's like, ah, kill me. And the showcases were fun, too. It was cool to see, like, go back through someone's career. But we already know how those play out. I like yeah. to have the unique storyline stuff we've never done before. That's going to happen in this AEW video game. And my first question for you, Connor, regarding this story, we talked about it earlier, possibly Tony Khan's huge announcement coming next week on Dynamite. Is it related to streaming? Is it related to Warner Media Discovery? Or is this an official announcement that the AEW console game I hate calling it that. It's got to have a name. AEW 22. AEW, I, it couldn't be a 2 Well, it'd be 23, technically. But Yeah, it would. That's, oh, that's, oh. That weird, that's that weird naming convention. I blame 2K. For, Madden, actually. <laughs> Madden did it first. That's right. But AEW's console game. Could this be Tony Khan's major announcement that gets revealed on Wednesday? And if so, do we get a trailer with it? I feel like it'd be more likely, instead of it being the announcement, it's the... Hey, we have it's the announcement and we have a publisher because that's still what we haven't gotten yet. We've had the mm-hmm. developer and we've known about that since late 2020. We knew about like Gata got announced then, it, but we never had a publisher. And I've just kind of been staring at WB Games and I'm like, so it's you guys, right? Because you're owned <laughs> by Warner. It makes the most sense for it to be you. It's not going to be EA. It's not obviously not going to be 2K. And you know, you're so ingrained with this one media company right now, and they have a games division. Mm-hmm. Do it. It makes the most sense. But we haven't gotten the publisher announcement yet. I mean, we might get a title if, if this is the game, if that is what the announcement is. If it is the game, I think we get a title of who is publishing it and a tentative release date. Because if you notice from the report, it just says this is what the internal release date has been for a while. And Mm -hmm. as of when they wrote it, 
that's what it was. But if you know anything about game development, if you've ever been a Nintendo fan, you know that release dates tend to get pushed back pretty <laughs> easily. Like, I'm keeping my fingers crossed God of War Ragnarok comes out this year. I am not confident about that fact. I was heartbroken, but not... I was disappointed, but not surprised when Breath of the Wild 2 got delayed. Because even though that we that game was shown three years ago, we still are nowhere closer, I think, to actually getting it. I think they'll give a tentative fall release date, if that. I don't know if we get so much as a couple of clips. I don't think we get a full-on trailer. If they were smart, they would try to get that into whatever winds up replacing E3, because I know that's not happening anymore. But, oh, and uh, someone in the comments just said it could be a Ring of Our TV deal. It might be. I asked Tony, hey, do you have any update on what the actual future of Ring of Honor is at Supercard? He didn't have one. He couldn't tell me, is TV still happening? When's the next event? All that good stuff. I had nothing, which makes me think he was saving it for something. Hmm. And if it's that, it's fine. Um, I think that if it is the game, awesome, but I'm not holding my breath necessarily. And there's still a lot we need to know about it first. Mm -hmm. I got a lot to branch off with what you said. First off, that Ring of Honor TV deal, you know, Ring of Honor updates. I don't know where they're going to come and when they're going to come and what it's going to be. They need to just be press releases. You don't need to, you (laughs) don't need to hype up. It's a big announcement. It's like, I mean, that's becoming the running joke is they're overdoing that. Right. My, my thing with Ring of Honor, though, is, is something I just got, kind of got hooked on earlier this week for whatever reason. Man, do I miss NXT Black and Gold? Man, do I miss a good traditional takeover? If mm. we're going to have Double or Nothing on a Sunday, or if we're going to have All Out on a Sunday, Revolution on a Sunday, give us some Ring of Honor takeovers on a Saturday. Obviously, don't call them Ring of Honor takeover. I mean, they're not it- using the name anymore. Yeah, and technically, I mean, I don't know how trademarks fully work, but if you put a little space between that, Ring of Honor take Ring of Honor overthrow or something. (laughs) Ring of Honor hostile invasion or something like that. I don't know. Boom. Tony Khan, my DMs are open. But hey, I think the idea of having weekends surrounding these AEW pay-per-views, because they are quarterly, you know, they already feel like a big deal because they happen so rarely. It makes TV every week feel that much more consequential and even sometimes these battle of the belts events feeling a little bit bigger than they actually are when they when they're first announced i think a ring of honor takeover style event every saturday before an aew pay-per-view airs could be something that works that only works for a couple of shows because they can't run sundays for at least full gear because tony will never run aew up against the nfl which makes a lot of sense yeah so who knows maybe we get a a friday well friday interferes with rampage So who knows? Either way, I think it's something that could be worth noting going forward. But on your AEW video game note, something I thought of that realizing now the schedules kind of align perfectly. Adam Cole is getting his AEW world title shot tomorrow. Time of this podcast on Rampage. We expect him to likely lose and Hangman to go on to defend against CM Punk. And internally, I've been hearing whispers. You know, I'm, I'm no insider, but I keep my ear to the ground in terms of the wrestling news. Obviously, I've been hearing about Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega at double or nothing. And we know the cleaner is overdue for a return. And maybe we get a segment on dynamite where Tony Khan comes out to make an announcement. Adam Cole interrupts and says, you know, I'm the biggest star in the company. Tell them I'm on the cover. And then Kenny, the man who is so behind this video game, he comes out, he does. I don't know if you remember this, this is a very specific reference, but back when CM Punk was on the cover of WWE 13 and John Laurinaitis came out, 
yeah. he revealed the cover and it was a fake Laurinaitis and then CM Punk's cover and it rained down from the rafters. Mm-hmm. Redo that with Adam Cole and then have Kenny Omega return and be like, I'm actually on the cover because he's the only cover star I can think of that makes perfect sense for the first game. It, and then it, that off the feud. I love that idea. I don't know if they go with a straight up one cover star or if they try to do, if you recall like the SmackDown versus Raw, Raw, like 07, mm-hmm. 08, like it was a group of people. It wasn't just one person. Like Triple H would be like front and center, but there's Tori, John, Batista, and I can't remember who the fourth one was. Um, that was like my first favorite wrestling game, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea. My thing is, I always felt like February was way too generous for a Kenny return when you learn just how beat up that guy was. Like he had to get at least three different kinds of surgeries to recover. And then you got to think of all the months it takes to recover from that. It really felt like him, you know, when he was saying, oh, you know, I kind of over, I think I uh, uh, underestimated how long recovery time would be and start talking about, oh, I missed certain appointments. I'm like, no, I, I think you really are beat up and need to heal. Um, I think I think that match honestly is more suited for all out, just timeline wise. I would love it for the for the cover to somehow get involved, but I also think there's just enough with the whole elite versus Bullet Club versus whatever we're going to wind up calling Adam Cole's group. They still haven't done that yet. Um, there's there's a lot you can play into that hell there's the murder on bte from a good five years ago <laughs> that they could touch on like hell, that was kind of implied in the uh when he showed up at all out was anyone <laughs> who can beat me is dead mm-hmm. and he was technically dead so i i'd love the idea i don't see that happening at least not yet that's fair. I feel like Kenny is someone that, as you've mentioned too, I, I'm yearning for his comeback because I just miss him on weekly TV. It's giving me oh, a lot of Seth Rollins 2015 vibes, 2016. When Rollins got hurt, I didn't realize how much I appreciated having him on Raw every week until he was gone. And when he showed up, I believe it was after Extreme Rules when Roman had defeated AJ for the second time, either Extreme Rules or Payback, one of the two. And he mm-hmm. came back with the gray and black gear. I was overjoyed. So mm-hmm. I'm just looking forward to seeing Kenny back. And if there's any way to insert him into storylines, I'm always going to take it. But back to the video game real quick before we move on to some entertainment headlines. Sure. Any matches you're looking to play here? Because we obviously know AEW's roster is very fruitful right now. They're probably going to add in. You know, I'd be shocked if we don't have Punk and Danielson in this game. I would be shocked if they're not also included on the cover. Because I agree. I think Kenny Omega is your cover star, your centerpiece. Mm-hmm. But this has to be sold to the mainstream public. And, you know, yeah, you, you, need, need, you to... need the Bucks. You need Britt Baker. You need Punk, yeah. Danielson, Moxley. Moxley, oh, just, yeah. Just, just the honestly, if it's just the Blackpool Combat Club, I'd have no <laughs> They, they are one like classic logo away from being the next Bullet Club. Yeah, yeah, they are the the font, especially with uh with combats on yes. the bottom. Uh, it's it's straight up Bullet Club OG and all that. But when it comes to the game itself, we know we're gonna get the AEW roster. We know at least one legend we're gonna get is Owen Hart. What's mm-hmm. the first match you're gonna play? when you get this game eventually? Because I know you're going to. Of course. So I got uh, 2K, the new one, off of a... Uh, we got it. We got a few uh, co- advanced copies. Mm-hmm. And I was one of ones lucky enough to get one. And I remember I when the first time I booted it up, I went, you know what? I kind of want to see like what the created wrestlers look like. 
-hmm. And I went into the most popular ones and no shock, the most popular creations were X eight or AEW guys, Brian, Kenny punk, a bunch of them. Moxley, especially there were a few that were on the top that all kind of looked like Moxley. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to download Kenny versus Danielson because that was one of my favorite matches from last year. And I'm going to play that. Were you there? Uh, not for that one. Not New York. Okay. I, I was, was. I was at Grand Slam. I was going to say that'd be funny. There if you were. We were at no, the same I, arena. I w- no. I was. I was in Chicago a couple weeks prior for All Out, mm-hmm. and I was at that point. I was like, I am good on live events <laughs> here because I it, within two weeks it was SummerSlam in Vegas and then a All Out in Chicago, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm good for now. My credit card needs to recover for a minute. Let me get my <laughs> Um And I tried to play it, and nothing felt right. The, the entrances didn't feel right. The moves didn't feel right. I don't even think they had the finishers attached to the character or the, the right moveset. It, it just felt all wrong. And I thought, this has got to be the first match I try when we get in this. Because I, w- I want to feel – because for as much – for as little as we know, Kenny has talked a lot about how he wants this game to feel. And he wants it to feel like you were legitimately controlling all these different kinds of wrestlers. And I'm curious, how does Kenny play versus Danielson? How does someone with such a frenetic high flying style, like a Ray Phoenix or a Darby Allen compared to someone more with more of a ground focus like Danielson or just a brawler like Moxley. And if they can really capture that feel, this will be a classic if they can get that nailed down, even if the look doesn't quite match up. Because some of those early designs we saw, it's like, this looks a little more cartoony, more of a Legends of WrestleMania or an All-Stars as opposed mm-hmm. to a 2K. But if the feel is right, that's not going to matter. You know, a lot of people love Fire Pro. Is it Fire Pro? The, the big creative Fire Pro Wrestling? Oh, I think I, I, think I know what you're talking that about. That one's 8-bit or 16-bit, yeah. and yeah. no one cares. Because there's infinite amounts of combinations for customization. Mm-hmm. And I love the gameplay. So that is my first match. And that is what I'm looking for is how do they feel? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, uh, Danielson Omega is still the greatest match I've ever seen live. And there was no winner. They went to a 30-minute draw. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was the first time I've ever seen Kenny Omega wrestle live. I had seen Danielson when he was Daniel Bryan at some early WWE events in the 2010s. I saw uh, Brian and Kane win the tag titles at oh, Night hey. of Champions 2012. That was a fun yeah. show. That's Made evented by Punk and John Cena last time on pay-per-view. Didn't know it then and didn't cherish it as much as I should have. And I always look back that, at that. That was the one with the screwy, like, suplex finish, right? Yep. Where, it, it, where it Cena one... had him, but he didn't realize his shoulders were down, too. I remember that, yeah. It was the one when Punk showed up to Boston and Yankee pinstripes. And I was yes, like, this he did. dude is a genius. I love it. But when it comes to me and what I'm going to play, I'm hoping for some of AEW's unique match types because obviously there are the standard ones that all wrestling games will have, our steel cages, our falls count anywheres. But AEW's got, you know, uh, blood and guts, even though NXT also has war games and all that. That's yet to my knowledge. To be translated into a wrestling game and i, I haven't that's... seen it on it i haven't seen it on the 2k options i'm not sure yeah and I, I think that's also due to the fact of the limitations with how many characters you can have in at once you'll notice when you when you'll play royal rumbles mm. at least previous years for me you can only ever have six guys in the ring at once so if yeah. aew can somehow plus, master getting 10 plus there's the whole mess of it's two rings which is difficult yeah that I, I imagine as a pro from a programming standpoint, that one's got to be a mess. But yeah, you're right. They, they've got a lot of different matches. I want to see a coffin match. Mm-hmm. Your, your lights out on unsanctioned, like 
let's get nuts with like what kind of weapons you can use and can you get in the crowd on the entrance stage and all that good stuff let's get some glass boards in let's get some gcw chance and let's be able to shatter oh my god that just just have a nick gauge mode where nick gauge comes out and suddenly (laughs) it's a death match and there's light tubes and let's let's just straight up yeah let's let's go all crazy with this i think the weapons possibilities are endless the roster possibilities are endless it's gonna be a fun game and you know we're looking forward to any announcements that come in the coming weeks months and hopefully the game itself arrives in september but that's gonna do it for our wrestling news of this week's edition of the thursday wrestling inc podcast we're gonna move over to some entertainment headlines and we're championed this week by a little show called stranger things season four is actually real it's actually happening we first saw footage from this thing geez i remember i was talking about this on a college tv news broadcast still wearing a mask hopper was alive he was in russia he had a shaved head and then i don't know i woke up and it had been a year later we had never (laughs) heard any new updates from this thing and now we know it's coming out on may 27th part one of the season the second half is dropping on July part one and it's not even the final season not even the final season well they're smart to do a part one and part two because it's dropping on the same day that obi-wan kenobi has its two episode premiere and as much as people can love stranger things as big of a cult following this thing can have if and when darth vader shows up in those first two episodes that is all twitter is going to be talking about but regardless that season four trailer for stranger things connor i know you checked it out i watched it about three times this morning in preparation for this podcast and it is killer the music the visuals the vibes are back and i just love seeing a period piece once again they really capture the authentic 80s vibe that i'm Obviously, I'm not from the 80s. I don't know what it actually was like, but I've seen what it's like in films when it feels like they're playing dress up and when it feels like it feels lived in. And I feel yeah. like we're back in Hawkins, Indiana. I feel like we're back with this. Crew Except that we're not in Hawkins, love. Indiana, because half of them start in Cali. Yeah, they've been yeah. migrated. Yeah. They, they said they moved them very far away and Cali. But then they're just going to wind up back. So it's like, what do you what Exactly. Do you... But when it comes to Stranger Things, before we talk about this trailer specifically, are you a fan of this show? And were you someone who watched from day one? Or was this something you binged upon a later season, a two or three? No, I, I, I'm a big fan of the show. I was very much somebody who jumped on when it was first blowing up. I remember that first season being a massive talking point on Netflix. And it was like, it's Stephen King. It's horror, kind of. And I'm like, that's not really my bag. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'll give it a shot and then loved it. And then season two was a bit of a step back. Season three was a lot of fun for a lot of different reasons. I thought the whole... People knock the whole mall aesthetic and for how much time gets spent there. I thought that was some of the best stuff. Um. I thought with this trailer, there's there's a lot to get into, you know. And I've ro- I've watched like the new rock stars trailer breakdown, and you know, people trying to theorize this stuff. And I don't try to do that with this show like I can with Marvel because mm-hmm. you you can dive into all these little different things to try and get secret messages and like maybe this is a hint to this character or getting tied back into this event or this movie. Not not with Stranger Things. With that, it's very much a, I just want to sit down and watch it and then absorb it and then move on. As mm-hmm. opposed to, oh, theorize what might happen here and, and this, that, and the other thing. Because, like you said, it's been a few years. We knew pretty... You knew kind of even in that post, uh, post-credit post scene with Hopper, 
that he's not dead. They, they mention an American before they show you a Demogorgon dog. You're like, okay, yeah, it, he's alive. And also we're not going to kill off one of our most famous actors from the show. Mm-hmm. As far as what we saw, I think it looks awesome. The kids are getting older. And I've wanted so badly for the show to have a more concise time jump. Get us out of the ninth grade middle school era. Get us more into high school. Because Millie Bobby Brown is 18 at this point. A lot of these kids are looking older. Um, The guy with the super death metal name, Finn Wolfhard. Wolfhard, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like that dude, that dude's got, has been playing much older characters already. Mm -hmm. You know, they they need they needed the jump honestly and so that was one thing the other thing was where i have always wanted them to take this show and i feel like maybe they're getting back to it is i don't know if you remember from season it might have been season two it was the episode where 11 goes to chicago and she meets another one of the psychic kids Mm -hmm. and People didn't like the episode because it was very much a departure from the rest of the series. It was very much just kind of an own standalone episode. And then she went right back to doing what she was doing. And we never touched that again for season three. I wanted us to get back to that somehow, because if you're telling me she's 11 and she just meant eight, that implies there's a bunch of other numbers and we didn't meet any of them, but they didn't there's, even talk about any of them. There's an evil Uno out there too. Like you're, you're telling me there. You're telling me there's not the Mewtwo of this group where there was one that flew off and is super evil off doing his own thing. And I always just pictured like, what if one, whoever he is, or she is, and is just walking around and suddenly detects Eleven's power and goes, I thought they stopped making these after I killed everybody. And then has to go terrorize Hawkins. Like that would have been a season. That's how you wrap that up is having Eleven go up against someone else like her. And that creature with the the human-like creature with the tentacles on his back, I feel like that's something that could be somehow tied into that. Um, Freddy Krueger showing up, Robert England with his eyes cut out. I have to wonder if that's involved somehow. I don't know. (laughs) I don't think those are the same person. But, you know, there's just a lot. There's a lot of visuals to jump in on this one. But if you ask me, try to map out the story of the season. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, and I love that though, right? Like that's the thing about Stranger Things. You know, uh, you know me, but Beyond Wrestling Inc. Uh, the direct everything I do with them is very breakdown heavy. You know, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, and I love that kind of stuff too. I love being able to predict and speculate and theorize. But with something like Stranger Things, I also like having an escape show, a show that you know I get to watch as a fan and also not think too hard about. Like, sure, mm. I want these episodes to sit with me, but I also don't want to pinpoint the pieces before they're ready to be shown i don't want to you know make the puzzle before the season even drops like what is the fun in analyzing this trailer scene by scene frame by frame when part two doesn't even arrive until very deep into the summer so uh, Mm. i do think that this is something where it's like i love the trailer i love the visuals but i don't need a breakdown i don't need to know where the show could go because i'm just enjoying the mystery and i'm going to be watching on may 27 that's going to be such a fun content heavy day as a whole we kind of talked about all that we're, we're looking for in this season i do want to ask you you know we both are big marvel guys and this is kind of a i'm leading you with this question here is there anything connor casey is watching right now maybe on a weekly basis maybe someone that drops every wednesday in the morning gosh you know there's a there's this thing he's batman but he's not uh a really talented really talented uh guy oscar isaacs maybe maybe you heard of him uh it's a little show called moon knight 
Um, <laughs> and it is it is just excellent right now, honestly. I made this claim on Comic Book Nation last week. Cheap plug for the podcast I frequent on sometimes. But I made this claim there, and I, I, I sticking with it even after episode three, I think from a structural standpoint, this is the best show Marvel has made for Disney+. Plus. Because with every other show, they are try- they have been trying to bait you with either a big character reveal, a big connection to something else in Marvel that either has or hasn't yet been introduced. Mm-hmm. With WandaVision, is the big thing was, is it Mephisto? Who is actually behind this big thing? You know, going down with the simulation and the TV stuff. When you find out it's just Wanda, there is no Mephisto, and the villain is just one of these side characters that everyone kind of was like, eh, "Her name's a little too close to Agatha Harkness." Let's let's figure this out. <laughs> with Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, Madripoor shows up, and you're thinking, "Okay, hey, there's the bar that Patch owns. Who's Patch? Freaking Wolverine? Are we going to see mutants? Who's the power broker?" It winds up being a character we already know, and with a motivation that doesn't quite match up. With Loki, we kept thinking, okay, who is actually behind everything that's happening here? Is it that Emperor Loki that showed up in the trailers that never actually showed up? With and when it with revealed as Kang, it was the one show that actually delivered on that bait. Mm -hmm. And some people even didn't like that. I loved it, and I think those people are wrong. So, and then what if I'm sitting around waiting for a good show to happen? And it did. (laughs) There was like one. There was like one or two good episodes. And when they all came together, I was like, they spoiled this in a car commercial, like. Two weeks before they all came together. I don't know if you saw that, but it was okay. on my like my Instagram feed. Spoiled that. And then with Hawkeye, it was okay. There's a lot of hints to Kingpin. Are we getting Kingpin? Yes, we're getting Kingpin. Is it the Kingpin you want? Kinda. And maybe he's dead. Better not be. Or I'm gonna be mad. But like I said, all these shows are trying to bait you to keep watching to see if other characters and other MCU connections are going to show up. There's barely any connections to the wider mcu world with this one going on heck i remember last night when they're talking about the the egyptian gods not wanting to interfere with humans and i'm thinking okay the eternals just told us that the earth is an egg what were they doing with that no (laughs) they weren't gonna touch it of course they weren't gonna um this show could be completely separated by itself and we never see moon knight affiliate with any of the other avengers and if it's his own standalone story, I'm fine with that. I'd love to see Oscar Isaac mess around with a bunch of the Avengers in future movies. But I love that this show is so confident in its material that it's going to want to stand by itself. And that that's why I'm so over the, over the moon about this show. <laughs> I you, it was like a sales pitch that I didn't need because I'm also enjoying this show too. But you painted a very nice picture in terms of this show is accomplishing stuff that the other shows I don't know if they were seeking to accomplish, but they were also doing something completely different. All those other shows were very reactionary to not just the Infinity Saga, but Avengers Endgame specifically, like mm-hmm. WandaVision, direct ramifications of what went down. Which watches so War. differently if you if you go back and watch Endgame now and then mm-hmm. realize wow. Everything she did with WandaVision is like two weeks later. Yeah. That ending is so <laughs> different if you watch it back now. She's hopping in the car and she's going yeah. straight to Westview. And then we're it's going. Like, I have some stuff to work out. And then she <laughs> doesn't. It just gets worse. 
Same thing happened with with Sam getting the shield. Like very mm-hmm. shortly after, is he giving it up to a museum? The the flashback, you know, not the flashback, the time travel to 2012. That's what kicked off Loki. And then the same thing with Hawkeye. He's dealing with you know the loss of Natasha Romanoff from Endgame. This is the first time we have a show. Sure, it's post Endgame, and we have seen in the background. We've seen GRC ads, and very recently we heard the Mad Report name drop but it's allowing it to stand on its own. And a metaphor I'll make for you, Connor, that I made last week with Graham when he was on the show was I look at Disney Plus for the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Marvel's NXT. And like this is the safe way to test out characters like a Moon Knight that who knows if this thing could serve well as a theatrical release because it is a more obscure character. Sure, you have the talent like Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke to get people to buy tickets, but Mm. it's a lot more guaranteed to be like, oh, it's on that streaming service I already have. Let me check out episode one, which is only 40 minutes. Not going to take up much of my day. Oh, man, I'm hooked. I like this character. And if you didn't like it, you still paid your seven bucks. Disney didn't lose any money on it. In fact, they made a profit and you didn't even intend to pay them specifically for that show. And for that reason, if and when these characters succeed and they do well with audiences, that's when you give them the call up to the main roster and you put them in the movies and all that. We're seeing it right now with Falcon Winter Soldier. Sam Wilson, obviously a big supporting player in the Captain America franchise. He gets his own solo show. He shows out as a main event player. And after the fact, did we get the announcement that Captain America 4 was in development? They didn't say beforehand. It was, let's see how this show plays out. Oh, audiences are reacting well to Anthony Mackie. Now let's do Captain America 4 and it's a movie like i love what they're doing with disney plus like i said mcu nxt i'm all for it it is very much like nxt it's also like the comics themselves with smaller characters oftentimes you're not getting monthly issues with dedicated runs that can go on ad infinitum it's hey you get this six issue miniseries or you get this 12 issue maxi series where we have to see if this writer clicks with this particular character and gets enough attention so when Tom King writes a classic with Vision, it's their way, it's Marvel's way of going, oh, we can put this guy in other titles. Now, obviously, he got picked up for Batman instead. Mm-hmm. But you see what I mean is it, it's the minor, smaller characters where certain creative minds have a particular story they want to tell. As opposed to, hey, it's Batman and here's whatever three-parter he's a part of or big 12-part uh, event that he's getting involved with. It's it's dipping their toe in and seeing legitimate interest in the character. And we've seen some characters take off in that way. I still don't know how this translates to the movies. The first run of Phase 4 really didn't indicate that. But I feel like that could change as quickly as Doctor Strange. It could. It could very well change very quickly. We don't really know how Moon Knight could factor into the greater MCU. But I'm sure we're going to have a pretty good indication come the finale. Before we wrap up this whole podcast, though, you know, we're at the halfway point through Moon Knight. We've gone through three episodes what are you most looking to get out of the back half of this season just more fantastic performances from oscar isaac and ethan hawk those guys are chewing up every scene they are in i loved and this was like this reminded me of the old christopher reeve scene from the first superman where he's able to be uh, he's he takes off the glasses when he's in lois's apartment and his posture immediately changes Mm -hmm. and then when he decides to go back he shrinks back down and puts the glasses back on you're like wow he's good at that oscar isaac pulled off something similar where the camera didn't change at all from the jump to mark to steven all he had to do was slightly change his posture and change the voice and his facial 
features kind of changed a bit too with it. The camera didn't move. And you're like, crap, that's good acting. I want to see more of that. I know they already hinted Jake's here. Like another personality is popping up into this. And I love the idea of every two episodes, another personality gets to kind of be in control. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm not waiting for some big character to show up. I'm not waiting for Dr. Strange to get involved. I don't care if Ethan Hawke winds up being one of the classic villains from Moon Knight's rogues gallery. Heck, I don't care if he shows up, wind up being Dracula and he's knocking on his door saying, where's my money? <laughs> um, uh, random meme for people that follow Moon Knight. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't, I don't care if Layla becomes, you know, um, Red Scarab or if any of the, any of the other small characters pop up, I'm just enjoying the story. So just keep that rolling. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's inspired by the comics, not directly adapted by the comics. And that's something that's been really cool. I'm right there with you in terms of what I'm looking for in the back half. Let's just wrap up this series, this storyline, and not have the need to tie it into the greater MCU. Not to say I would be opposed to that. I would love to see some greater MCU connections, but that's what the post credit scenes are for. Let's and focus everyone's... on the spotlight on Mark Spector. And everyone's like Conchu's thing where he's turning back the sky to see what it looked like 2000 years ago. And everyone's like, does this mean they just travel back in time 2000 years? And if so, what does that mean for Eternals, Thanos and everything else? I'm like, guys, I don't think this is going to matter at all. <laughs> so calm down. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just enjoy it. it it's, a, it's a good standalone story in this greater universe, but it's in this kind of own pocket world for now. Connor Casey, thank you so much for joining me on the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. Pod podcast for people who are looking to find you on socials i know it's at connor casey cb if i'm not mistaken that is correct connor casey cb help a brother get to 2000 followers i'm floating at right around 1900 right now so help a guy out uh you can find all of my work over at comicbook.com i specialize obviously in the wrestling section you can also see me reviewing a comic a time or two i've, I've done i usually help out with their weekly uh comic book lineup uh, I pop up on uh, their their weekly podcast, uh, Comic Book Nation, which is available on Twitch, all podcast service, and now Paramount Plus. I'm there whenever uh, a big wrestling story or a big wrestling show is coming up. So I was just on it, obviously talking about WrestleMania and all the good stuff that came from that. Um, you follow me on Instagram, Connor CB, and if you follow me on Twitter, I'm usually dropping uh, interviews. I'm doing big stories I've written up. And my usual thoughts on whatever the hell is happening on Raw and Dynamite. You can probably guess which show I enjoy more. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. You're obviously a very busy man and plenty of content to give the people if they're looking to consume more wrestling-related stuff or more comic-related stuff. That's really cool to hear. For me personally, you can find me on all socials. Pretty simple, at Liam T. Crowley, spelt just like it is down below. To support my Wrestling Inc. work, I run the Wrestling Inc. TikTok account. So at Wrestling Inc. on TikTok, daily wrestling news updates. We also post clips of the Wrestling Inc. daily over there, hosted by the wonderful Nick Hausman. And then outside of the world of pro wrestling, if you want to support the direct podcast, we drop new episodes every single Wednesday where we talk what you just got in the last five minutes of this podcast. Just extend it out for about 90 minutes. Moon Knight in general, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Wars, DC, all those fantastic universes that you love. Whole lot of content coming out from myself, from Connor, from everyone in this space. But for all of us at Wrestling Inc., thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next Thursday. Tune in tomorrow for the SmackDown review right on this feed with a completely different panel. We'll see you next time. Later. This is the story of The One. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.